It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show and welcome back. To our dual late OSC, we're looking at episodes of versions, I should say, 48 and 49 of late. We are going to start in Naha, Okinawa, Japan, at Naha Bunker Tenbus, I'll pronounce this properly, Naha Bunker Tenbuskan, 115 people in attendance who were very enthusiastic for this late show, uh, which opened with Yan's family, Takanori Ito and Yusuke Kidama, losing... To Sam Watanabe and Tetsuya Izuchiki. Uh, Marcus, this was a bit of a turn. Oh, yes. Please welcome my guest for today, Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, our resident plate expert. How are you doing, sir? Oh, good. Glad to be back. You know, we are playing Greek catch up, but slowly but surely, we're working through some great stuff, great content. Uh, as we start off with this match, a fun opener here. Uh, you know, as we've been talking about. Uh, Jan's family has been picking up some momentum as they've been uh, continuing to find themselves. But, uh, yeah, it took a surprise loss here. This was a fun little opener. But, uh, yeah, didn't uh, didn't see this one coming. But, that I mean, it, this was fun. I think it set the, set the stage for what we was going to get, not only from this show, but uh, some of the stuff on the next one, too. Yeah, definitely. Somewhat an Abe taking the win in this match over Takanori Ito which was surprising shall we say because we've we've discussed these these two guys before and Watanabe seems to be on a bit of an upswing as i was flicking through twitter feeds a lot of people are taking notice of that young man right now um, i think someone mentioned that the final pieces of the puzzle have clicked for him and i don't think they're wrong this was a really good match he performed really well in this match um yeah this was a lot of fun and um Nice to see things being spread around. But yes, I did like them uh, with Hey Lads, We've Got T-shirts to sell <laughs> <laughs> at the opening. And the crowd were really into this. It was, this was very much a lot of old pantomime back and forth call and response wrestling with the audience. Uh, those of you who appreciate old school British shall-I wrestling from the 1980s and 70s will appreciate this definitely. Have uh, any of your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was it was a fun opener. Um, obviously, um, like we've been talking about on our, you know, continued coverage that you know, Jan's family has been growing. Uh, you know, you know, really honing themselves and finding themselves uh, with the aesthetic, uh, as well as you know, building that cohesion. So, um, you kind of looking at this match on paper and was like, okay, it's gonna be gonna be a solid back and forth, but you know, I think Jan's gonna put it out, and that's not how that went. And, uh, you know, kind of leave it up to Gleet to, you know, do one thing on paper, and then obviously the match goes a different way. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the spontaneity of uh, not being able to, you know, for things not to be predictable. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so move on to the second match, uh, which featured Michiko Miyagi going up against Akane Fujita. We have discussed Akane Fujita before. She's a member of Prominence. Prominence are kind of like a, a female deathmatch version of Strong Hearts. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. They tend to, they are they have their own promotion, but they go and work for other people. They've been working in Stardom and uh, DDT as well. Um, but they have their own promotion. 
Um, me and John actually reviewed their opening show last year, and they kind of specialize in kind of straight up and down um, violence, really. This one was a little bit uh, calmer and just a regular straight wrestling match, so Fujita is into her death matches. Uh, has the wonderful nickname of um, Juicy Tangerine sent Daklet sent directly from Iheme. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, with her palm juice modified cobra clutch submission finisher and a cloverleaf. She's a bit, she did try the cloverleaf on in this match as well. Um, Miyagi ending up for her big match um, at the next show with um, Unagi Sayaki. Uh, Unagi Sayaka, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the next show because that was really important. Um, but this one was a bit different, change of pace. Nice to see some different faces in the late women's division, especially a well traveled veteran. Interestingly, Fujita is 36 years old and only a nine year veteran, which means she started late for the Joshi game. She started at 25. Um, and was, and was trained by uh, former AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida. Anywho, what's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, this was, I mean, look, we, you know, the women always bring it. Um, like I said, we talked about, you know, Fujita, Fujita uh, before, and she's, she's great, and she very much brought a lot of that more uh, rugged style to this, and certainly Miyagi, she was definitely putting her through the paces. Um, very much, you know, attacking the body, breaking down parts and whatnot, and like you said, uh, how to go for the clover leaf and uh, yeah, Miyagi was was suffering from a lot of different angles here, but she ended up pulling it out, uh, which I appreciate because you know we always talk about the kind of back and forth, up and down trajectory that we have and with Miyagi a lot of times, specifically when it comes to tags and Ariel. So to see a, on her own like this and uh, you know really have to fight to get a win, leading into you know uh, like you said a big match on the next card, uh, it was fun to see, but. Uh, this is another one of them situations where I could easily see these two running this back. Uh, maybe, you know, um, and we don't see this a lot of glee, but maybe, a, you know, two out of three or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it was it was good. Like The, the women always deliver up, so, you know. Definitely. Uh, 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 <laughs> next up was a fun little house show singles match. It was a couple of them, actually. L. Linderman going up against Uiska, 9 minutes and 28 seconds. As you expect, Linderman takes the win over his junior. Um, but Isco showed some real shine in this particular match. Linderman showing some elements of heeldom as he went through this match, as Isco was, you know, he's the bright young star and stuff, and Linderman kind of took the lead in being a little bit of a bad guy. But having said that, he's not Linderman, he's a lovable soul. So the fans weren't unhappy with this, but we're really into it again. Um, I'm guessing there's not an awful lot of wrestling on Okinawa. So, you know, when they come to town, the 115 fans gave it their all. And it was a lot of fun to watch the fans interact with wrestlers. What did you think of this one, Marcus? I dug it. I dug, you know, it was it was interesting looking at uh, both of these matches. Like you said, these fun little house show uh, one-on-ones. Um, this was interesting seeing that Linderman play this particular role in this match. Um, uh, because like we talk about with these shows, a lot of times they're not just like one-offs uh, and don't have anything to do with each other. A lot of times some great transitions between wins, victories, or uh, certain personality shifts going from one show to the next. So kind of look at upcoming what kind of what transpired with both of these guys separately. But in this match specifically, 
Linderman definitely, like you said, took that that that, that very much ball stance against his young junior and Yil uh, and Zuka, uh, who all valiantly fought back. But Linderman, to the point where was kind of housing him around to the point where he actually motivated the crowd to root for him as he was beating him. Um, so that was interesting to see, like I said, that that particular side of Lindemann and obviously use is no easy rollover, but Lindemann had it fair in hand and ended up pulling out the win. Um, so, you know, maybe he kind of hit him with that. Maybe one day, kid, but not today. No. Uh, yes. You'll see what happens with that developing story there. Yeah. Next up, uh, the number one contender to the um, G-Rex Championship, T-Hawk, had a tune-up match against Issei Onesaka. Onesaka has very similar offense to the uh, current G-Rex champion, Keito Ishida, so this was a, a sensible little match for them now. And once again, T-Hawk showing a darker side. We know he can be a bit of a little bastard when he wants to be, and he was showing all of that against Onesaka, who is one of the most lovable characters on the Glade roster. Um, noticeably, they didn't mess around with the young family stuff on this particular card. There was a bit of a serious tone to all the matches on this card. They were entertaining and they were fun, but it felt like they were kind of getting down to business on this little house show. No, absolutely. For for the intimate of a show, it was. It felt like, you know, some, some real uh, meaty stakes, if you will. Not necessarily, you know... Uh, like a grand grand show or whatever but but you know these these wins and losses felt um everything it felt personal stuff felt personal that that made these things uh flow better and then you know just looking at almost was another transition from because obviously Linderman had a certain attitude but um he still kept it fun like you said interacting with the crowd while he was kind of you know taking you through the paces but here we get here and you know, Issei is, again, like you, no rollover, no easy night. But T-Hawk was on a different level. Um, and uh, I appreciated the finishes to this match and the next match because um, it's not necessarily your traditional, you know, uh, you know, Western mindset of, oh, you got to hit the big move, the, the, the classic finisher <clears throat> to take the match out. Like, no, he this was a malicious abdominal stretch um to the point where like the, the thing i focused on the most obviously was the amount of tension he he cranked on him with it but the look he had on his face as he looked down at this is this kid suffering from it the only thing i can compare it to is um going back to that match with coda um and i forgot who it was against but when he started getting hit and he just had that that deadpan look on his face mm. cody Ibushi. um yeah, he did. Yeah, the deadpan look he had on his face was, uh, yeah, it was it was chilling. And uh, we we you know obviously go see that get, getting taken to the to the next card. But uh, yeah, that was that was cool. And I appreciate, like I said, I appreciated uh, seeing an abdominal stretch uh, with some stank on it, if you will, finish a match. Yeah, it was a, it was a cover twist with really emphasis on the twist. Yeah, <laughs> it was trying to break. It was like literally like a tear, tear on its side's head off um, with that particular maneuver. You've got to kind of, you got to see that match. It's not, a, it's not like a breathtaking five star match. It's a house show singles match, but he's obviously trying to put some stuff together for what he has, what's going to come next. 
Yeah. And you know, and this 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 is a show in the shadow of the show that's to come afterwards. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And the one thing about Glee is they put everything online for you to see, or the majority of it online for you to see. So you get to see like people trying to figure out like how am I going to make this work against this opponent? And you know, it, there's there's a layers to the storytelling when you do that. I suppose New Japan do it as well. You see every show of the tour, but and I suppose all of the other companies that do like long-term tours do that as well. Uh, but equally, I think with Glate, very much more so because you've got this tight, compact roster. So when you've got a big feud match coming up, there's there's less choices. You don't have as many six-man tanks and stuff to work things out in. You know, I mean, I was trying to think like some, um, some like, uh, Sonata is IWGP heavyweight champion. He'll wrestle his challenger in six-man tag matches four or five times before the main event match. And that's mm-hmm. to get the crowd excited about the possibilities of that match. But it also means they get a chance to try and figure out what's going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, kind of build, build that chemistry back. Or, or, or like I said, over here, they'll do the thing where it's like, they got this big match at Mania. We're going to have them tag. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to see... <laughs> okay, all right, that 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 buys it, but uh, can they coexist? No, yeah. it's answer that question. Yeah. It's not the point. It's a, it's a blood feud, that, 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 like blood and as drawn blood, not related. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Anywho, yes. So this was an intriguing matchup from that point of view because it was a side of T Hawk we've not seen since the Open Challenge. The entire New Japan roster, which no one took him up on, by the way intriguing uh we get to the semi-main event john tom show and tetsu izuchi of oh, 60 seconds because izuchi was pulling double duty that he works really hard that kid <laughs> yes yes he does <laughs> they defeated 60 seconds defeated color counts kazayashi minoru tanaki 11 to 21 seconds the veterans really took it to the youngsters in this one again this was kind of a bit of a dark mood match for the veterans but i think that's probably along the lines of well, we know the youngsters have got nice, happy, shiny baby faces with best be heels. Um, and it's interesting to see the two hookers of the UWF and Glate taking a loss to two young rising stars. And yeah, this was great. This was just a fun wrestling match. And again, it's like Izuchi's on the winning team again. <laughs> so yeah. his star rises. Tonsho is his star is rising as well. So yeah, this is this is kind of like building things for the future with a company that's not very old and they're putting the putting the stock in the young stars they're giving them something to do which is nice i like to see that yeah they should i mean and again you know a, a nice uh refreshing finish for me because i think i i don't uh recall exactly if it was tonsho or, or the jushi uh but uh very much finished with a uh a culture slipping with a drop kick yeah yeah it's like, when was the last time you saw like a match end with a drop kick? It was the perfect drop kick. I think it was Watanabe who did not Watanabe because he won that match. <laughs> Where is yeah. it? I'm just looking at it now. Um, yeah, because they look, they look um, like shocked. Yeah, it was Izuchi, wasn't it? They look yeah. shocked that they won it because he like just delivered the absolutely bang on perfect drop kick. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and he got a, he got a knockout victory with a drop kick, or pinfall victory with a drop kick. Beautiful, love, love to see it on the button, and we and, and that's some glee. And we talked about this, I think, on our last show. Like, 
they have a just a roster of guys who could just deliver like just beautiful drop kicks. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's insane. But yeah, that that was definitely refreshing, like you said. Tonsho and, and uh Tetsuya stars continue on the rise and also like you said, uh Hayashi and Tanaka. They can they can take losses along the way because they, they always get them back and also they're the vets. So uh, this was this was good for the young guys. I think you have to give props to the Wrestle One Dojo, where I, I think it was Zuzuki who came from the Wrestle One Dojo. But well, certainly Watanabe came from the Wrestle One Dojo originally. Um, a lot of them, you know, um, because that's where they got their start. Um, actually, Zuzuki comes from Gato Move uh, and Heat. So, you know, uh, welcome to the Gato Move Dojo. They're really good too. Uh, where did Tom Show train? Tancho trains, doesn't say career. Tancho's been, yeah, Wrestle One Dojo, you know, and that's for a company that wasn't around for a very long time. They had a lot of sway on what the wrestling industry is doing now. Um, that was Kiyaji Muto's promotion before he closed doors on that and went to Noah. Um, so, yeah. Then we get to the main event. Chechi Matani, Hayota Tamura, Kazuma Sakamoto defeat Black Generation International. Hartley Jackson, Keita Ishida, and Katoru Suzuki. 17 minutes and 57 seconds. This was great. It's just it's just what the two um, factions have come to kind of highlight um, in their matches together is chaos and some great wrestling as well, mixed in with all of the 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 back and forth, you have to say this was outstanding work and just so much fun to watch. Yeah, this was a just a top dog fight right here, man. Like folk coming in and having to remind, you know, BGI, don't forget who ran this place before y'all got here. <laughs> um, and, and 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 to a certain degree still do, you know, don't be, like we we, you know, you may have a main, but we also have you know, the tag champs, and, and that's for a reason. And it's just, you know, this is a great combination. Um, kind of like, you know, the, the, the classic showdown always, you know, before BGI got there was Boca Orchestra and obviously Strong Horse, the never ending story, the never ending uh, fight there. But then, you know, BGI on, on, you know, on the rise, you know, Boca Orchestra kind of got to, you know, Get get back the old old hat, if you will, and, and kind of remind those guys, like it, you know, we're not gonna just be, you know, that new cakewalk every week. Even if it almost take twenty minutes, we're gonna, you know, you know, we've set the standard here, and it's it, as a faction for a reason. So, yeah, like you said, this was just fun, great stuff uh, with the names, and it is always gonna be a good time. So, uh, yeah, this is just, this is just the start of many showdowns between these two. Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> Um, and that kind of set the set the stage for Glates um, version 49. We're at Kurokan Hall, the home of professional wrestling in Japan, 707 in attendance to see a loaded card and some of the most emotional matches that any wrestling promotion in Japan has put on this year. But as usual, we start things off with something moving forward, and it was another faction war, 60 seconds against Black Generation International. Uh, that would be John Toncho, Kiichi Saito, Oji Shiba, Tetsuya Izuchi. In 9 minutes and 12 seconds, they lost because Black Generation brought everybody. Action Jackson, Elemento, <laughs> Emperado, Azteca, and Utana. 
They went. <laughs> oh, the bat man. signal went out for all members of Black Generation from all over Mexico. I don't know what the flight bill was for this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I, I I looked at I looked at some of these guys. I was like these look like if Lucha Underground stood around. These guys look like who Drago would have called for backup. <laughs> <laughs> if he got way into over his head, uh, back in the in the in, in the uh temple, if you will. So yeah, they you know sixty seconds. I always root for sixty seconds. Those are my guys, but they did not stand a chance on this one. Oh no, 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 it's all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, because all, all of these guys are handful by themselves, but this was this was fun. Yeah. I, I like Action Jackson a lot. I'm sure we've seen him on a GCW show this year as well. Um, but yeah, he he's really cool. I'm not so familiar with Elemental and Emperor Azteca. Um, but you know, Yutani has been with this black generation since the start. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Aztec. I mean, Emperor Aztec is like a, a big cheat code in itself. But then you <laughs> add Utani and Action Jackson Elemental, and it's like, okay, this is uh, we on the, the final final level of the game. And then you beat the guy, and then you find out it's another guy behind the guy, and you out of you out of extra lives. It's like, what is this? Why is he that big, moving like that? Like it, it, was, <laughs> it was, it's insane. Like the fact that. He, just popped off a of hurricane runner. Uh, I'm like, okay, this is like, just go ahead and ring the bell now. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting as we're gonna get down the card. Like you, you don't realize, you almost don't realize just how stacked um, BGI and Bulk are until you actually see them broken up into like smaller groups down uh, across the card. You realize like they got two studs here, but then they had four here, and it's now it's not even the same guys. Like pulling double mm-hmm. duty, like they just they, yeah, like both groups got like cheat codes, and it's weird, but it's great at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the original Black Generation started in the Mexican promotions, and uh, Black Generation International is obviously the Japanese office. So this was this was the board meeting, if you will, of Black Generation International. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and they they um, two of their regulars, Holly Jackson and Kitaro Suzuki, defeated Issei Onitsaka and Samoa Anabe in the second match. Um, this was pretty fun as well. You know, I got all of Holly Jackson, haven't you? He's just a big dude, being a big dude. <laughs> yeah, man. It's. Um, uh... And in Qatar, like we talk about, like they, he just works so great utilizing him or working around him in case he just wants to kind of just let him go off like a, a unstoppable locomotive. Um, he just that that chemistry is is impressive. You know, they they know what they know what it is. Sometimes you know it's just tandem. Sometimes it's Qatar just supporting Harley, just going absolutely off. And um, he keeping the other, he keeping the other guy out of his way as he's finishing the match, and that's what happened here. So, um, yeah, you know, again, Issei Soma, you know, not somebody you shake a stick at. That's a that's a great combination. But against these two, mm, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Suzuki had a busy month. Was uh, well, had a busy year so far. He's gone back to all Japan. Um, as well as doing this, <laughs> um, him and Keito Ishida were in the junior, bag ta- junior tag battle of glory, 
which has been going on um, this week, actually. Um, they wrestled Oji Shiba and Raya Inoue and Dan Tamora and Hikiru Sato. Obviously, there's a lot of crossover with All Japan um, from late because they're quite close. He's been wrestling in DDT. He's done a bunch of matches for DDT because he spent a lot of time in Noah last year. He floats around. He's a freelancer. He gets to do what he likes and he goes and wrestles people. He enjoys wrestling. <laughs> Basically. So like last year, he did a load of stuff because he was in um, Paris de Mal last year in uh, Noah. And then, oh, sorry, Paris de Mal de Japon in Noah last year. And then um, that kind of ran its course uh, when Ogawa fell out with everybody again that's what he does uh, and now he's put stinger back together again <laughs> so yeah um so yeah no it's, it's it's just fun the bad guys wrestle the good guys the bad guys win so it moves things forward uh but we did get round to some serious business in the next two matches we are back on the hunt for the first ever ladette uwf champion and the semi-finals featured a match between you iska and takanari ito 12 minutes and 40 seconds where Iska owned Ito for the majority of the match except for the last 30 seconds, which is really, in this kind of wrestling, the only thing that counts. Iska, after a period of domination, keeping Ito down on points, uh, with Ito having to take rope break after rope break after rope break, um, got a kick to the head, which knocked him out cold. And that was that, which is... A shocking ending to an incredibly good wrestling match, uh, I think. Anyway, this is the, I think this is the highest rate by the cage match users. You don't always like this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's the highest rate one I've seen of this tournament. They give it 6.82, which I think is a bit soft. I like it a lot. I would give it somewhere around about 8 if I did numbers, but I, I like to do descriptions and use words instead. Marcus, what did you think of this one? Everything you said, my friend... Um... Yeah, I'd probably give it 8.5. They, they, and shout out to the cage match users. They're smart because if you're going to rate one at a high level, this was certainly the one to do it. I think this is a match that when you look at, uh, if if I was explaining like the UWF uh, concept uh, to somebody for the first time and never seen it and I needed to point to a match, i show them this one, tell them to watch this one. Um, I think this is absolutely what defines it, a match that, that you know, really just showcases all of it like you came into this match knowing who his opponent was and knew he had to play chess and not checkers and to bait him in with i guess a code of honor and to catch him slipping early to throw him off his game because he knows like we know the minute he let ito pick up any momentum he was not going to lose it so it, it became incumbent on him to catch him early, which he did, knocked him down to four, went after the legs, those tree trunk like legs, um, and ended up getting getting him down, getting him down again. And and, and it was weird watching it because I'm like, wait a minute, like is he has he really thrown Ito off his game? And then uh as as I kind of loosely predict, I'm like, if if Ito get to going, like it was almost a lucky uh, thing or maybe this was on purpose by you like he caught him with a flurry in in uh like the middle of the match and he fell outside and that gave him time obviously that that got him a point off but it kind of gave him time to collect himself i don't know if he would have necessarily had had the time he needed if he would have fell inside but yeah we get to the end and 
his plan was working until it wasn't because he so caught him again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what he was trying to avoid is what happened. He caught him and he didn't get back up. You know, I think I thought it was brilliant the plan he had, but it was like I knew it wasn't gonna take much because I knew you knew just watching the match that he knew he couldn't stand with him, which is why he kept going for the legs, kept trying to get him down, keep him off. But Ito is another one of these guys who is a different gear. And I knew if if he started to take him to Suplex City, uh, quote-unquote, or start landing them strikes, it was going to be a, a long night. But you, this is what I call a successful loss. Because you is, is going to be a major contender down the line. For this, for this title, and probably against Ito, fingers crossed if things go the way they're supposed to, uh, in my mind. But this was this was a phenomenal match in the beginning of some of my favorite matches of the night. Yeah, this this is where things start to pick up on business as far as like importance is concerned. And the second match in this particular series for the UWF total tournament, which was the last match before the interval. Shinya Aoki, the veteran from DDT, defeats Hikaru Sato, one of the hottest junior heavyweights in pro wrestling today, in five minutes and 16 seconds, choking him out. This was brutal, just brutal to watch. And um, Aoki is the smallest wrestler in this tournament. He's a junior heavyweight, and he's particularly light for a junior heavyweight, which sets up this intriguing... Power versus science final. Aoki is a veteran of Pancras and UWFI and all of the original shoot style wrestling. He, he just wrestles in a comedy wrestling company because he's really good at what he does. And that comedy wrestling company has given him a home and he's figured out how to make things work in that comedy wrestling company. But he's a badass. And this was showing him just how much of a badass he is. Um, and yeah, five minutes and 16 seconds. This was quick. Um, Aoki against Ito in the final, but this match was well worth watching as well. Maybe not appreciated as much because of its brevity. What did you think of this one, Marcus? This was another great one, uh, but just for different reasons. Um, and with the, the way that it went, it also shows the beauty and suddenness that can come from these matches as well. Like I said, a lot of the, you know, I like watching these because um, they very much come off like chess um, in a way, but obviously with bodies. Um, yeah, Sato was very much looking for his opening. Um, while well, uh, you know, Aoki was like, you know, felt like he was more patiently waiting, you know, the, the um, you know, pacing himself, letting, letting the opening come to him, not necessarily trying to find it. And, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was good. Sato got a, got a couple shots in, but. Even you know, even when the Yoki looked like he was against the ropes, he, he he kept a calmness about him. And then they got down to the thing, and then out down on the mat. And once he caught him with that that choke, that front choke, I was like, it's a wrap. And you saw it. And he, I mean, all Sato needed. This is no this is no knock on him, but all he needed was a pillow, and it would have been <laughs> the way he got him. It was a pillow because they they got. I mean, he got him good too, to the point where like. I think he was still out as the match was over, and then Aoki was celebrating. Yeah, that was that's a that's a that's a great choke he pulled off, and uh, but that's that's what these matches are, and um, and and also quickly that is a beautiful championship that they have, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the first champion crown. That's a that's a really good looking championship, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this final, uh, because Aoki versus Ito. That's 
That I'm hoping that's a good one. That is absolutely irresistible force versus a movable object. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be incredible. So that's gonna be a bit of a barn burner when it comes up. But we got back to more pro wrestling action after the break. Color counts Kasayashi Minoru to Tanaka tagged up with El Linderman from Stronghearts and Violento Jack, who we talked about last week when he was part of Black Generation. And had a bit of a change of heart and it's become a babyface in the space of a week. <laughs> they defeated, believe it or not, Bulk Orchestra. The returning Ryuchi Kawakami, well, he was introduced last. Galeno Del, Del Mal, Kazuma Sakamoto, Quiet Storm all came out first. Kawakami came out and started kicking heads because we were like, fags out, lads, breaks over, we're back to business. And they really look like the Bulk Orchestra revolved. They look like yes. they run the place. Yeah, Marcus was like, "Oh, this is amazing." <laughs> yes, I was like, "Look at them going to this back to formula." I love it. Yeah, Kawakami, absolutely on point. Doesn't like his Mister Seth after being off for injury, but unfortunately, he fell to Well Linderman with a flash pin, and that kind of like derailed their uh, Jewish return. But it's kind of like he is the one with the most ring rust, as a, as it were. But it was great to see Kawakami back in action. You forget how cool he is. He's just a cool dude. <laughs> and he's just yeah, he, like, don't sleep on me because you see me wearing this flag. I'm not the flag boy, okay? Like, I like the flag, but don't just, like, count me out because I do the flag. Like, I get in here and put in some work. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was beautiful. Bulk, classic bulk orchestra. They start strong. Um, and, and, and because of that, a lot of times they finish strong. But uh, you know, if you can hang in there with him, you gotta you gotta know it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I feel like Linderman coming off of that 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 uh you know great championship run at G Rex uh title run that he had, you know, it's still something to prove. Like just because 'cause I'm not champion don't mean I'm just gonna roll over and take a bunch of L's. You know, Linderman was in a different gear here too. Um and it was funny because also we saw how the match ended with that flash pin German. But he tried to go for it early on and i'm like you can really name that like a collapsing german <laughs> the way that that happened like you tried to pick him up and just died like <laughs> if, for the, if you haven't seen it galino Dol, he tried to german sleepbox galino dalmal who's at least 18 inches taller than him and at least 150 pounds heavier than him and um. Kalino kind of went with it and they just landed on him. Oh, it was. It looked like he brought an avalanche on himself. Yeah, it was like. Because it was like, yeah. It was, and to be honest, I forgot to mention this. Chet Shimatani tried some stuff um, on the previous show and against well, some of the big guys. And it paid off in the end because he was the one that got the pin for yeah. against Hartley Jackson. Boy, it was just like this. This was wishful thinking on Linderman's yeah. part, but he got there in the end. This was, yeah, but this was so. This, even in defeat, this was so classic. Bulk, like the 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 seamless um, chemistry and the way that you know um, fluidity of the way that, that that faction works is just it's it's insane, and it, it's why they they you know had the runner they've had. Um, yeah, but the synchronicity is just nuts. Um, and they did this one great sequence where, like, they was did like I guess a, like a running train, if you will, onto the guys, and they almost 
And I don't know if this was intentional. They did it in terms of size. So like smallest to the biggest. And I was just all finished it off. And I was like, holy Jesus, that looks just terrifying. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. Uh, like I said, Lenderman had something to prove. And I'll tell you one thing, like obviously this was a sticking point for us talking about the last couple shows. I am so glad that Galindo Del Ball was not on that on, on those shows in that intimate room where that crowd got killed. <laughs> because him doing suicide dives and and over the top plants, it 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 really that would have resulted in a lawsuit hands down. Like we talked about like them not suing because obviously they're, they're true fans, but you almost have to if you see a, a Dale Mall flying at you. So it's you know. For those of you who haven't watched Galino Domel, you need to go watch Galino Domel. This is a guy who's Scott Norton sized, um, Jeff Cobb sized, who wrestles like a luchador because he's a luchador. So he does hurricane runners and flying head scissors and suicide dives and topes because he's a luchador. Just because he's 300 pounds isn't going to stop him from being a luchador. He's the kind of guy who would go to WWE and they'd tell him to stop doing stuff. Because <laughs> he's just like, you can't do that, he's 300 pounds. Like, he's yeah, like, yeah. like, let's like, let's, let's Rey Mysterio more Strowman. Yeah. Moody. <laughs> Be considered a black mask. Um, yes. Um, but yeah, no, this was so much fun to watch as well. Um, but yes, definitely fun. However, yeah. we are on to some serious business in the next yeah, yeah, this one for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yunagi Sayaki, Sayaka, um, at two shows ago, as we discussed last week, um, was tagging uh, a, a, against Miyagi and um, Hasekawa in a tag match and pulled up Hasekawa at a two count. Miyagi reacted by saying, if I can't beat you, I'm leaving Gleet. And that lined up a, t- a singles match at this particular show, which was Sananagi versus Michiko Miyagi, with Miyagi's great career on the line, and they went hell for leather for nine minutes and 43 seconds. Arguably Miyagi's best performance as a great wrestler, but she lost, and therefore she said, I quit. She walked out and said, look after, look after Hasekawa for me. And that's the last we've seen of Michiko Miyagi since. So, what's to talk about in this particular match? Let's talk about the match first. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Oh, this was this was beautiful. This was beautiful. This was, you know, obviously I would imagine that that um, Yagi is more of it, you know, has the the tenure status over Yunagi. Uh, but you couldn't tell. Uh, I mean, obviously she she dictated the pace. She kind of did. Miyagi dictated the pace um, in a match and, and came out with, a, you know, uh, more aggressive than, than I think we've seen on a consistent basis. And obviously with what was on the line, of course, and she was putting the, the young lady through her paces. But Zayaki was she came and answered it every time like that beautiful, like hangman blade runner that she did on the outside that changed things. That was great. And then they get back inside, and, and Miyagi has this uh, this move that I love. I think it's a a, a sit-out fisherman buster she does, which is, uh, I think, one of her false finishes, but I, I, I love watching it every time a sit-out uh, fisherman buster that she does is great. 
And uh, she was putting a young lady through a pace and, and, and threw everything in the kitchen sink at her, and she just kept kicking out. And then Miyagi's like, okay, that's it. Putting the final nail in this. And then she freaking, she Jay Whited her and caught her slipping again with a uh, with a Blade Runner. And then she planted her with a, with a move that looked sick. I don't even know what she called it, but it looked sick. And she got the pen. And it was heartbreaking. And... Miyagi was heartbroken and kind of watching her this whole time since I've been watching Glee um, and kind of like just being drawn to her, just seeing her off uh, the first time I saw her and then seeing the kind of ups and downs she's had to get to here. It's, uh, I ain't gonna ask, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little kind of surreal right now, you know, looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't know if this is um, an angle or if it's um, her genuine feelings. She's off the next show at her own request because she's booked company. Um, Glate are apparently negotiating with her to stay. Um, she's had an interesting career. I mean, she debuted in 2014. She had four years as five years as a Sendai girl, went to stardom and didn't really go anywhere in stardom because she really wasn't how can I put this she doesn't she doesn't necessarily shine on that roster which isn't really about character work it is but it's in a different way um and then she went to out wrestling z got her head together um and it's a good place for people to go and get their head together a lot of people have done that down the years um and then came back as like the star of bleat and has been the face of the women's division um you know she's great and i um i'm gonna miss her if she's gone and we don't know what she's gonna do next yeah um and i'm not i am hoping it's an angle <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, um, yeah and it's like um yeah uh i mean Inagi is amazing and amazing even more amazing the fact that she's only a four-year wrestler you know she's yes. yeah she's 33 and she started at 29 Again, another late starter. But yeah, she's she's done amazing things and this match is like shows how much in depth. In fact, Hosakawa might be more of a veteran than she is, because Hosakawa started when she was like twelve. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and th- that was the that was the end of the match was Hosakawa helping helping Sayaka back to the back because she's the rookie and she looked after the veteran because and that was like Oh <laughs> yeah, it was it was but and, and come on, cage match. Y'all could have gave this a rating. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to sign up to give this a ten. <laughs> yeah, this, was, this was this was this was just some great stuff, man. Like you know, Yagi took a lot of punishment, and came back with with a, with a, just a brilliant finish. Uh, this is one of one of you know uh, Miyagi's you know best matches that I've seen in. Uh, in Glee, and just one of the best women's matches I've seen in Glee. Period. So, yeah, this is a, this is a just go watch this match. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're not attached to Miyagi in any way, or the or the ending and how that finished out, uh, yeah, because it's just a great, it's just a great wrestling match. It really is, it really is. and it's, it's like we discussed last week. Last week, when the original incident occurred, it is an old school. Joshi trope that that comes back every once in a while, and this is a good way to use it. And this was this was perfectly executed. Um, 
So yeah. Oh, emotional. Let us move on to the G Infinity Tag Team Championships. Bork Orchestra. All oh, Bork Orchestra at ringside. Chekshimitani, Aeti Tamura, Young Bork were on fire for this particular match against Black Generation, El Bandito and Flamita. Now, I will say this was a bit of a mess to start with <laughs> for out of these 22 minutes and 41 seconds. Everyone seemed to be a bit lost up until about the six minute mark when things started to click. It took a while for this to get going. So be patient if you're watching this. There's some blown spots and all sorts because it's just a lack of chemistry. But eventually, things started clicking together and the, the rise to the end of this match, there was a crescendo that was absolutely awesome. Uh, Bork Orchestra, you know, this is their house, Curriculum Hall. They are beloved in that particular building. So the fans went wild for them. And all the way up until that final run, it was close run thing between Bandito, Bendito, nearly said Bandito, and Flamita. We've been watching Flamita for quite some time now, from back from his Ring of Honor days. And now mm-hmm. he's a full-on uh, Rudos. It's interesting to see the changes we've seen him go through. Um, first time watching Bendito, who looks amazing when he keeps his balance. <laughs> but like I said, it was a bit rough to start with. When he got going, wow. What did you think of this one, Marcus? No, I'm right there with you. Um, it, it was because uh, the minute I saw for me, I was like, okay, all right, I can pull the sleeves up, get ready for this, because um, you know, uh, vocal cast. And I always love and I appreciate the, the photo shoots that they do for these matches before the uh, the match. Mm-hmm. It's always cool to see. Um, and, and and both those groups side by side look, like I said, incredible. Um, just studs all around. But yeah, like you said, it was slow to start. Trying to, you know, kind of kind of finding the rhythm, if you will, of the match. Like you said, Redito just Lito looks cool. Like he looks like um like a cool video game character or some type of uh movie boss villain. But he was uh he was trying to play off a lot of slips. Um and like you said, around the six minute mark when things got to flowing and then we got got into the groove, you know, because like I said, uh Check and 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 Tomura, you know, that just 100 in sync. And then, you know, once Vendita and Flamita found their groove and everything came together, yeah, it was it was a it was a hell of a time, hell of a match. 22 minutes, 41 seconds, well spent. Um, and if you've been watching these type of G Infinity matches for any period of time, uh, you you can appreciate a crescendo, if you will, because sometimes starting off a match. Uh, on full throttle can can kind of drain you a lot. Specifically, uh, to your point, going back to talking about Ring of Honor, sometimes it could be, you know, a little too much gas, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really have nothing for the for the end. You kind of you know, um, leave and put 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 it out, if you will, towards the end. But this was great, um, and obviously, like I said, bulk as a faction, or you break them down separately in this in this uh, with checking and. and Tomorrow's champions. It's these are hard to these guys are hard to beat. Even the best of combinations, you'll find it you'll find it hell to, you know, to beat these guys. And and you know they they put in a different gear just getting these titles back. And I think it's go you're gonna have to find a special combination to take it off of. But uh yeah this this was good this was good, and this was such a great lead into what we was gonna get next. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 
This was a main main event and a half. T-Hawk challenges Kato Ishida for the G-Rex Championship and takes the belt. 25 minutes and 59 seconds. This was blistering. Ishida trying to get into T-Hawk's head and it just didn't work. What the groundwork put in in the previous match we saw against Onyskaya was really laid out in this match. T-Hawk was aggressive from the get-go, knowing he had to stay on top of Ishida because Ishida's great uh, defensive wrestling is what's kept Ishida at the top of the card. And that was the story they told. Ishida tried to get in T-Hawk's head, but there just wasn't enough there for T-Hawk to get hold of. And he wins it with an emphatic pinfall victory with Knight Ride End to take the championship belt in an absolute blinder. Arguably the best match of G, uh, best G-Rex title match this year. Certainly of the three matches Ishida's had for the belt since he won it. Uh, so this is the second defense for the three winning the belt, the first events, and this one it's probably the best of the three. I think it's as good as the one with El Lindemann where he took the belt. But this was outstanding work, just outstanding from both men. And um, yeah, I'll see this again any day of the week. What do you think of this one, Marcus? Hey, you know me. Just go watch it. <laughs> you gotta go watch it. Don't, don't. We could, we could talk about it till we blew in the face. We could talk about this match for twenty five minutes and fifty nine seconds, and it probably still wouldn't do it justice. You gotta, you gotta go watch it. We, this is the beauty of of uh, the youth and the and the, you know just the potential of this roster. Like also, Enderman was the man, great champion, and then Kato came up and, and took it off him. And Kato's just you know a, a top tier talent as well. Gotta sing his praises because he's no uh, passable champion either. But you know, we talked about the the level of competition that he had lined up coming out and for this title. And you know, T Hawk came in, stepped up, and got into that different gear. Like I don't know, like you said, he spent a lot of the match trying to get in his head. I'm like, did he watch the match he had uh, with that kid? The look he had on his face. He was looking at that kid, but he was looking through him as well. Like, it was, you know, he, he fully came into this match prepared, knowing what he needed to do um, and wasn't going to be deterred from his goal. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I did not expect a title change this soon with the reign that was being had by by uh, Black Generation. Um, and obviously, I, I, obviously, this is a loss, but, I, you know, like I said, they, they're, so, they're so dominant. Um, so... Yeah, I mean this this was like I say unexpected, but but a, a pleasant surprise, if you will, because T Hawk really stepped up uh, and showed and improved, and I'm looking forward to seeing just how much back and forth we get between these two and who else steps up, because as we know, Vintage Glee, you know, it's it's always somebody waiting to step up, and primarily they'll show up right after you uh, either lose or win a match. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we will see coming up on the horizon for this particular company. Um, after these four marathon shows that we've been through, and to be fair, I think there was another show this week, but we'll hold off for a little bit until there's yeah. another big show to catch up. Um, what's your impressions of the company? Because you, me and you have literally just watched like 14 hours of the same company over a week. Um, where do you think, I mean... We've been doing these shows for maybe 18 months now. Where do you think they stand? Do you think, as artistically speaking, financially speaking, I know they're doing okay, they won't be doing shows, 
and they yeah. keep getting good show, good good shouts at Kurrigan Hall. Maybe not as much as All Japan know or New Japan do, but there's certainly seven hundred not to be sniffed at. There is quite a few people watching on on YouTube. I'll check the figures on YouTube. What do you think the company is artistically speaking? Artistically speaking, I think there's some of the, and, and we do, sing their praises every week and rightfully so that there's some of the most consistent um and, and, and well executed wrestling that you'll get anywhere. You know, and this, this is, you know, uh I'm I'm on I'm on the show with to me, you know, James is a wrestling encyclopedia, like I always say. And it's it's not it's not too much that he hasn't seen, but you know, when he's somebody like him sings the praises of you know, a company like this, it's it's serious. Um, I mean, just from from the roster to you know how they execute uh, storylines and, and and let these characters go and set up these factions like I like I'll put Boko Orchestra or a Black Generation or Strong Hearts against anybody in the industry. You know, like they're that strong to me. And yeah, I mean, look, they're pacing themselves well with the championships. Obviously, you got the G Rex, you got the G Infinity, and now you got that, like I said, that very uh, good-looking uh, UWF uh, championship, which kind of kind of reminds me, in a way, I don't know if you agree, of, of like what what New Japan kind of did with the open weight concept, which it just it's it's you know it's it's a specific type of gear and next level you're going to have to you know be because it, it the style of match if you will i think is one i'm relating it to um so yeah i think i think they're really pacing themselves well i think you know uh it's the right time for another championship and i think that just they're only going to get better they keep pumping out shows like this like even every time we double up on these shows it's never a, a throwaway show no, no, they don't do throwaway shows. They may do a show that's more intimate and smaller, but even like we said, just with the uh, with forty, what forty eight, that was a smaller, more intimate show. But it, but it was kind of like the foundation for what we got for this great uh, forty nine. So, you know, they just got to keep stay consistent and keep the pace. And I think the growth, uh, both financially and viewership wise, is going to come. And the fact that it's on YouTube, it kind of feels like what. NWA will try and will uh, getting to build uh, until it kind of you know tanked, uh, but this is I think even better on a completely different level. Obviously, the talent is on a different different gear to me, and uh, yeah, like I said, I think they just stay the course, and all the success and accolades go come. It's interesting you made that comparison. Um, just looking at the shows, I mean it's difficult because well, I mean. Yeah, um, I mean, there's more people in America than there is in Japan. But in, I mean, like the the smaller pay per views that Glade do, the the like the shows that um, the show we just watched at Kurikan, they're getting eighteen thousand views. And then the big shows like Version Five, which was Linderman versus Ishida, um, that got sixty three thousand views on YouTube, which is nothing to be sniffed at. And what they do, which is something the NWA would never do, is they actually take tips online. You can actually pay tips to the company as you watch it. You know, it's like a, the show's for free, but if you want to give some money to the company for doing the show, you are more than welcome to. And you see every, like, if you watch the comments down by the side of the videos, you can see people giving 500 yen, 1,000 yen uh, every few minutes. 
So there's all sorts of income streams that this company is building. Um, and it, you've got to with a roster that, that size, but I mean, the fact that they've got all of Black Generation at the same place, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's lots of them. How many is there in Black Generation? I was trying to think. Black Generation, the Flamita, Emperor, Azteca, Utani, Elemental, Bendito, Action, Jackson, that's the regular staple, plus the Japanese wing, <laughs> which is... Um, um, Hartley Jackson and um, Ishida and yeah, so there's there's seven of them. <laughs> that's, and, that's know, a, yeah, that's insane. They have a one A squad, like that's crazy. Yeah, and you know they get Gringo Loco in from time to time when he's around. There's eight. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it, it's um, it's it's a big faction. It's kind of like um. Bullet Club, you know, mm. but more effective. Yeah, yes, far <laughs> more effective, yes. Yeah, um, as far as, you know, um, Bullet Club is now kind of franchised across the wrestling world. <laughs> um, that's the, the developments this week. Uh, a quick New Japan roundup of developments this week. Clark Connors has joined Bullet Club in New Japan Strong, we think, um, having had a bit of a, you know, because tagging with Taguchi will make you join Bullet Club. Essentially, that's what that means. Because he had to do Best of Super Juniors with Taguchi last time around. That was enough for him. <laughs> Basically, everything that goes goes on in Bullet Club is all based around Taguchi. Because, you know, Devitt was sick of Taguchi, so he started Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, you look at the legacy of, you know, uh, Bullet Club, obviously, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a staple now, but it used to be that thing was like, oh, such and such is now the thing. There used to be a thing when somebody turned and went to Bullet Club. Now it's kind of, it's, it's like a thing that people do, uh, <laughs> either eventually or just as a as a, as a thing passing. Like it's 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 weird, kind of how things have kind of turned out in that way. Um, but uh, I'm I'm just happy that of all the mess that has gone back and forth, certainly with the leadership of it all. I don't, I'm like it's like they were competing with. Uh, impact for how many times they can change regimes. Um, I'm just happy that uh, our boy uh, Tamatanga has come out on top, or remained out on top uh, amongst all the uh, the scuffle, if you will. Yes. Yes. Fifth time's a charm as we're now on the fifth leader of Bullet Club in 10 years. <laughs> Uh, David Finley um, doing a cracking job, um, having kicked out all the fun people. Um, <laughs> so there'll be no more of this too sweet in the crowd and, you know, trying to sell T-shirts anymore. It's the, the bringing the misery back. <laughs> all right, fair enough, Dave. Um, yeah, so that, that happened. Also, uh, a nice shout out. Uh, it was um, Hiroki Goto's 20th anniversary this week. Him and um, his kids came to watch him wrestle and get a presentation for his 20th anniversary. He tagged nice. with um, Yoshihashi in a match this week. So there you go. Nice. Shout out. Uh, congratulations, Goto. You said 20 years? 20 years. Nice. So, nice. yeah. So there is other Japanese wrestling news, but it's quite big. So you probably found out about it on Twitter if you haven't. Um, we'll leave that be because we're going to do spoilers for big matches and stuff. We try not to. That's just little news that's popped up that's worth talking about. 
Um, we don't know what we're doing, but our lives are now empty as we've caught up on tweets, and <laughs> we have True. to go search for new meaning this week, especially after watching the Aggie leave. That's soul crushing. Anyway, um, yeah, so thank you for joining me today, Marcus. Where can we find you on the internet? Oh man, always a pleasure, Gleed. Always your lovers. Uh, you can find me on uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Elon's Hellscape. Uh, <laughs> AKA Twitter. Uh, that's uh, Paradox Kid. P A R A D O X K I D. Always down to chat. Hey, hey! If you are you going to go and try and annoy Elon as much as possible so he gives you a blue check for free? I'm good on a blue check. That's it's. <laughs> you know what? That that concept on Twitter has kind of become like the Bullet Club thing. Like now, like uh, is he in? Is he not in? Like is he? Like that was a weird <laughs> choice. Like it's it's this thing now. Now it's a running joke of. Um, because actual accounts have been stripped and whatnot, so it's it's the stupidest thing. But it's it's just added to the list of stupid things at this point. So. It, it's like Stephen um, Stephen King. Um, was it Stephen King said he didn't want his blue check because it got given to him without his permission and consent? Uh, Owen Jones, an uh, incredibly left-wing British journalist, got. A blue check and he was like i don't want this why why has this been added to my account and it is just like because you know they seem to be going halfway house between an actual authentication service and trying to make money off of it by the way do you know how many people actually signed up for it this is brilliant on the first day of the oh, blue check 28 <laughs> not 2800 or 28,000. 28 as in one more than 27. Uh. <laughs> Out of how many users? Oh, five. 20 million users worldwide? 28. How did we sell? 28. Well, bro, don't, don't fix it like it because it got to the point where people appreciated uh, what it stood for because it, it, it alerted you that this product was not a fake account. <laughs> and the thing, like, when you take it from something like you actually have to apply for on, on, a, on, a, on a serious note, uh, particularly if you're somebody of major note, to now just damn near making it a participation trophy. Um, yeah, that's 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 the kind of thing that happens. But uh that is hilarious. And again, just add that to the list of the stupid things that have happened since uh it's been quote unquote improved. Any if you do not wish to partake in Elon's hellscape, you can talk to me on Mastodon at Sheriff Star and Instagram at Sheriff TX. You can talk to the show at Sheriff at Troopney Show on Twitter, at Troopney Show on Instagram, The Troopney Show on Facebook, and on Patreon, where you can keep the Troopney Show free forever for everyone. Um, we'll be back next week, as ever we shall. I'm not sure what we're going to look at. I've got one in the can. We might be using that. Um, which will be intriguing because it'll be a, a nice little change of pace from all of the Joshi and Puru we've been watching lately. Um, but we'll let you know. Uh, when we've had a discussion, had a chat between the um, seven or eight of us who regularly do the show. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. <laughs>